Welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. In an effort to bring to you the best of the best, we have another great interview for you. Her name is Nicole Acoin. Many of you have heard of Nicole because she is the founder of Healthy Steps Nutrition, a great company out there doing great things for the CrossFit community, helping people learn about nutrition, helping people make healthy choices via healthy steps, if you will. And I'm going to let the interview do the talking, but I really enjoyed my chat with Nicole. I love when I talk to people and very quickly become fans of them. And Nicole was one of those, mostly just because she came off as super authentic. She really values what she does. She cares about the CrossFit community, and it's evident. She's doing this because she wants to see a change. What's really cool as well is Nicole is helping big time. You've probably seen, or if you haven't, there's been some cases where the government is going after some CrossFit affiliates for providing nutrition advice. And whatever you think about that, obviously you're entitled to your opinion, but Nicole is helping... CrossFit affiliates navigate that and make sure that they can still help the individuals at their box make the right choices. Because as we know, nutrition is the foundation. Nutrition is the most important aspect. Nutrition is the primary thing you should be working at when it comes to your health and fitness. I get it. Our time in the box is what's fun. We love CrossFit. We love the community. We love lifting. We love gymnastics. You can't outwork a shitty diet. That's one thing that's always resonated with me. And as coaches, it's important to remember that we get our members, we get our athletes for one hour a day, and they have 23 other hours of their day to completely fuck that up. Here's where we can step in. Obviously, it's cool to just drop some knowledge, but I hope that by listening to Nicole, you'll learn a little bit more. We talk about all sorts of things ranging from you know where to get people started to what are the best protocols for nutrition. We're going to talk all about that, but check her out, Nicole. We joke about it, but she's got numerous Instagram accounts. We're going to get all through those by the end of the episode, but I hope you enjoy this very candid very casual chat with a very smart woman, Nicole Coin. All right. Well, welcome, Nicole, founder of Healthy Steps Nutrition. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So a lot of people know you from your nutrition background, but before we dive into that, let's just talk about your CrossFit journey. What brought you into your first box and what was it? <laughs> Oh, I was working at a restaurant and my best friend had joined a CrossFit gym in Jacksonville and she had asked me to come with her a bunch of times. And over the course of her getting really involved, I thought it was a cult, right? Like all she did was want to talk about CrossFit and I was super intimidated by it. Uh, I had a cheerleading background before I cheered for University of Florida. So I was pretty athletic growing up, um, but finally she convinced me and we did a workout with running and GHDs and my stomach was so sore for like two weeks it felt like and I at that point I was hooked. <laughs> so your very first workout included GHD sit-ups? A bunch of them. 
I don't remember how much, but I remember being so sore for so long. <laughs> what box did you go to? It wasn't an open gym workout. So it wasn't, it was CrossFit West Jacks, but it wasn't like I went to a class. It was just like open gym and she made up the workout for us. She was not a CrossFit trainer, <laughs> which I think um, probably is why we didn't, or we did have GHD. <laughs> yeah. Not a very good friend either. <laughs> um, do you think you had rhabdo after your very first crossfit workout no i just was i mean i was i've never been that sore you know i it was it was good it got me hooked <laughs> yeah and, it, and it, you know there's there's two types of people right the ones that hit their first workout and say i'm never going to do that again yep and the ones that are like give me more yeah so i was the second type <laughs> and and how soon after that were you just back in taking classes uh, pretty soon. So I ended up moving up to Jacksonville and was going to her gym for a little bit. And as soon as I moved back to Gainesville, I joined a gym immediately, which was awesome. Uh, so I was there for a couple of years and I moved down to South Florida and joined a gym almost immediately. I had no friends when I moved down here. So I'm like, well, this is going to be a great way to meet some people. And, um, so I joined that gym in 2012 CrossFit Deerfield beach and met my husband there. And then, yeah, we, I started coaching and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? You can move somewhere, have no friends and, you know, meet your crew. And not only that, your significant other. At a, that's the best part about CrossFit. The community is definitely the best part. I love it. So you said you were working at a restaurant around 2010. Were you in school for your RD degree? I graduated at that point. Um, I was in between go actually I was going if finishing up my master's at that point. So I was in Jacksonville finishing up my master's in nutrition. Um, so I took the route where you did your master's and your internship at the same time and then um, graduated with the credentials after that. So so you know you and I were discussing a little bit prior to hopping on here. That's really my biggest questions to you are you know, you, you have your RD and I see a lot of what you're implementing. What, how is it as an RD to, to, I assume you're slightly against the grain versus <laughs> what they're putting out there. Definitely. Um, y- yes. We, I went to school to get the credentials in, in the state of Florida, as you know, being in Naples, you know, they're pretty strict with what you what kind of credentials you have to have to be able to talk about nutrition and what you can say and the, the, the legalities of it all. Um, so I went to school to get those credentials and um, got a job at the hospital. And I think that's really what made me struggle so much with what I was being forced to say, giving people Ensure that had like 60 grams of sugar in it. And these cancer patients that were, they were loading up with sugar supplements so that they would meet their calorie needs and our whole philosophy is on disease prevention and I, it, the values didn't align, which is what ended up pushing me to start healthy substance nutrition. So you knew you wanted to be involved in nutrition to some extent prior to, I mean, I assume, you know, you went to school for this, you had an interest in it, but were you truly only going to attain that credential? So I knew nutrition was important at a really young age. My mom was diagnosed with cancer um, and we completely changed our diet and uh, just nutrition was a a big part of my life growing up and eating healthy. And when I cheered in college, we all had disordered eating habits. Um, To think now what I did back then is so crazy. Um, 
like with the super restrictive eating to look a certain way. And they thought some of us had eating disorders and they sent us all to a dietitian. And that was, I think my freshman year in college, I changed my major as soon as I left her office. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. I can talk to people about healthy eating and improving their performance. I mean, all she did, the dietitian I talked to was work with the UF athletes to help them improve their performance, their nutrition. So that was when I decided to change my major and never looked back. So you mentioned your mom had cancer. She's still with us? No, she passed away um, in 2002. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, How did, what were some of the changes you made though, when, when you found out that diagnosis? So the biggest thing was cutting out a lot of the processed foods. Like we switched to all organic. Um, we cut out a lot of the sugar that she was eating and my, they started doing juicing, like juicing a ton of carrot juice and just vegetable juices. Um, and what else? She was taking a ton of supplements and looking now at what I know about supplementation. I don't know if we probably would have done all of that because you know, B vitamin supplements are helping any cell growth, not just healthy cell growth, right? So looking at, you know, what what kind of supplementation that, that she was doing and she was doing other things like aloe vera juices and just, gosh, we were reaching, right? Like any possible thing that there was some research on. My dad had read a book called Alive and Well um, that was talking about different nutrition uh, for cancer and they had bought like a hyperbaric chamber and she was flying all over to get to get treatment she did like the conventional surgery chemo radiation the first time around and the second time around is when we completely changed really everything yeah i think you're diagnosed with something like that you're just grasping at anything you can do right and and i'm sure some of that really those changes were probably positive for the most part and absolutely then- now you, you deal with that and then you go to school and you're hearing basically the opposite of that. How challenging was that for you having dealt with, you know, a lot of people in school there didn't deal with someone with cancer, let alone their parent. How hard was it for you to hear something from your teachers knowing it was untrue? A lot of what we learned in school was metabolism, metabolic pathways, like how things break down. Um, I think the biggest struggle for me was when I went and started working at the hospital, when I had my credentials and we were giving people food and like diabetic patients protocols in the hospitals. And I even work with some doctors now that run our nutrition program in Texas and they call me frustrated too. And I, I completely agree, you know, the way, the way it works at the hospital is as long as it a diabetic patient has less than 60 grams of carbohydrates in their meal. It's totally fine, whatever they have. So they could technically have four juice boxes because it meets the under 60 grams. And we know what that's going to do to their blood sugar. And there was nothing I can do about it because we were a part of the hospital system that had hundreds of hospitals around the U S right. Like they're not going to change one thing just because I, one dietitian said, said something, right. So instead of, fighting it every single day and being forced to say something that I didn't really agree with or, or do something. I, I just left and started my own practice. So how long did you last at that hospital? I was there for a year full time. And then I started kind of backing away as, as like most people, right? Like you, I had that stable salaried position, started healthy steps nutrition. I remember talking to Chris Cooper 
on our first mentoring call. And I said, my goal is to get away from the hospital completely full-time. Like that's, I would, I just want to work at healthy steps nutrition full-time. And we slowly started going per diem or part-time and then per diem. And as soon as I was able to replace the salary, I was, I was gone. I think I was there for probably three years total between like the full-time to the, to the per diem. And then never looked back. <laughs> and then when you're saying healthy steps, nutrition, at that point, you're, are you referring to your box? No. So I didn't open the CrossFit gym until 2016. Uh, we, I opened up healthy steps nutrition in 2012. So I was just doing nutrition coaching and I was doing some like personal training, uh, at that time and coaching like group fitness classes, not at a CrossFit gym. And, um, then at some point, gosh, the years kind of all blend together, probably 2014 ish got my level one. Um, and then I was coaching at a CrossFit gym. I moved my office into another CrossFit gym and we decided, okay, let's have everything under one roof. Let's open up our own CrossFit that has nutrition and we can have the whole package together. And did you use Chris Cooper to help you start that? So I had already been working with him for years before that. Uh, he had found out what I was doing with a gym, uh, running our nutrition program in 2014 and had asked, asked me to be on a podcast. So we started talking about that. And at that point, I was like, you know, what? I really need to hire a mentor, right? I need to hire someone to help me kind of not get distracted by all the shiny objects that are around with business and give me a clear path. And I don't know if he had worked with anyone before me that wasn't a CrossFit affiliate owner. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of unique situations, right? Like he, it wasn't the cookie cutter mentorship um, that he was used to doing, but obviously now he works with so many different people. Um, so yeah, I worked with him and we were with two brain when, um, when we opened the gym. So it was saved us a lot of mistakes that we probably would have made. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cooper has helped many people, including myself. Now you brought him on as a mentor. You know, we've had some amazing coaches on this podcast that always rely on somebody smarter than them. What yeah. role did having a mentor play in your journey? He really gave me a clear path of where I was headed, right? So it's so easy to get stuck in the day-to-day -day operations. When I, when I started working with him, when I hired him, I was doing everything for the business from like bookkeeping, which I am terrible at, and I have no idea how to do it. Now I still gladly pay someone else to do it, but marketing and just, I was a one person shop, right? So it was a journey for me to get over the fact that I shouldn't be spending 10 hours a week building a website. I just need to hire someone that's really good at that and focus on growing my business. Um, that at the beginning was probably the most important thing he kind of taught me and kind of walked me through. And then it was really figuring out as the mentoring company grew, how to scale it and make sure that we could handle 30 gyms signing up per month and, and understand how we could still provide the best service to, to all of them. At the same time, opening up the gym, <laughs> being able to pass that on to someone else really quickly, right? So, <laughs> you know, a lot of new business owners yeah, don't take advantage of that. How challenging it was it for you to balance spending money that maybe you didn't actually have, knowing it would free up 10, 12 hours. And not only that, it was something you weren't good at, and it allowed you to focus on something you did excel at. 
it was making a list of all the things. And I still do this on a daily, not daily, probably monthly basis. I make a list of like everything that I do. And then I'll highlight the stuff I really love to do, right? Like I like doing all of these things. And then everything that doesn't get highlighted, I'm passing it on to someone else. Like for me, meal plans are the most tedious task that I've ever done. And I've made hundreds and hundreds of meal plans. And I think there's a role for meal plans. I don't think that there is something that people should rely on, but I think it's a good way to give people an idea of what they should, like how to make a balanced meal throughout the day. Um, That's something that I finally have passed on like the last, not the last task. I'm sure next month will be something else. And I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to do this anymore. Um, But it, it is a tough balance, right? To know how much time do you have in a day? And I think for entrepreneurs, it's super tough because especially dietitians, right, that have full-time jobs, there's only so many hours of the day that you can see clients and build your business. What piece of the puzzle can you take away so that you can get more clients and see more clients and build, build your legacy? It, it sounds like the classic eliminate, automate, delegate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's relatively simple when you, yeah, I think more people need to do that. And, you know, one thing I learned in that kind of journey there was don't automate or delegate things that should really be eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like how can we make processes so, so much easier, right? Like we have, I have a guy, a website developer and his job, we talk once a month, all right, what's a struggle with the website and how can we make this process automated and easier so that there's no manual touch points in there? So like simple things, right? I'm sure when people sign up for something on your website, I'm sure there's an automated email that goes to them that you don't, no one's waiting on you to do anything, right? It just, it just happens. There's magic there. <laughs> and and surprisingly, there's always more to do, things to fix, you know, things that can be better, you know, well done. Now, what was the hardest thing you ever let go of? I think it took me a very long time to hire someone to, to mentor other gyms for us. So now we have a team of really amazing people, but the first person that I hired and brought on, um, Lindsay, she's actually flying up to Chicago for the two brain summit and speaking there this weekend, tomorrow she flies up. Yeah. Um, And you're going to, so I'm speaking on corporate and she's speaking on nutrition coaching. Um, but it hiring a mentor to help, other gyms was like the biggest thing. I'm like, no, this is my baby. I'm, I have the magic sauce when in reality, no, like we could teach someone else to help, to help people. I think that was probably the biggest hurdle. And Chris walked me through that every step of the way, like how we were going to find someone that was already doing really well, running the program and see if they would be interested. And she jumped on immediately and we trained her and she works for us full time now and does a really amazing job. And I'm sure that freed up a lot of time. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so, so speaking of that, as, as a box owner in the past and as a yeah. business owner, how do you find balance in your life? I mean, is your husband involved in the business as well? Mm-hmm. So he works for the fire department full time, but he um, coaches at the CrossFit gym and he's my sounding board for every single idea that we end up pushing out. Sometimes he thinks I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, 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 watch it. It's going to work. And somehow it, it does. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's involved. And I think it's an ongoing battle, right? As a entrepreneur, it's easy to say I turn things off, but I don't. I, it's a learning process every single day. And I have mentors that 
strategies that I try and learn, like creating your perfect day, right? Like Chris talks about that all the time. Like, okay, what time do you want to start work? What time do you want to stop work? And we have twin eight-year-olds. So like there has to be a balance to have a good quality family life, but also provide the support that, that we need. And it's, you know, it's a learning experience. What are some, what are some rules you guys have? Um, I do not have my phone at the dinner table. I do not get like that two to three hours between dinner and putting the kids to bed. Um, that is the family time. So I really try hard not to let any distractions happen at that time. I also am the one that's getting kids ready in the morning, like breakfast. So again, like that's my time with, with the family and, and then also like we make sure and take vacations, me and my husband alone so that we have alone time. I mean, a lot of times our conversations after the kids go to bed revolve around work because it never stops. Um, but we, we do try and take vacations every year and make sure that there's some sort of balance. And when you go on vacation, is it no work or is it, we get up, we do an hour or two of work type of thing? There's a balance of those. Um, so as soon as we got to come back from Summit, uh, we are taking the kids to over by you, actually. We're taking them to St. Pete for a few days. And I'll have a couple hours that I work in the morning only because I'm leaving tomorrow morning and I'm not working till Monday, <laughs> at least on some of the business. So there's a there's a balance, right? Um, if we go to Costa Rica, then there might be a few days where I don't do anything. Or the team knows, like, we'll pass off things to the team. Like, hey, I'm gone answer if there's an emergency then then I'll get involved but most of the time I can block it out so maybe it's an hour to to minimal if, if possible now I have someone that manages my email so we have a virtual assistant who's amazing and she can answer a lot of stuff for me and that definitely has taken a lot of pressure off of having to be in my email all the time right was I talking to your virtual assistant Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was you. That's a good uh, yeah. personal assistant. She's awesome. So actually I found um, out about the company. It's called Belay um, from Donald Miller and Story Brand. And I was listening to this podcast guy. That book's great, by the way. Yeah. A Story Brand. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was listening to one of the podcasts and they were talking about this virtual assistant company this guy built. It's like, Sounds interesting. Let me just give them a call. And it was the best thing. Like Summit, the plans that we have, she handled almost all of it. So it's all done. I didn't have to worry about anything. And she works a set number of hours for us per month. And it's great. When you say plans, you mean like hotel, travel, everything. And even from our event. So like we're hosting a live workshop for gym owners. And she handled all of the shipping, um, getting sponsors for it. Uh, lunches for the staff, catering. Uh, she handled it all. And I, and I assume you. she's in another country. She No, she's here. She's oh, she's in this country. Um, oh, she is. Florida. She's in the States. Yeah, she's in New Jersey. And it's Belay, I, I assume, like a rock climbing, like Belay. Exactly, Belay yeah. Solutions. Um, make sure those are in the notes. So, th so three topics that I definitely wanted to discuss with you regarding nutrition. I had yeah. two, and you actually brought up a third. So you said you have twin eight-year-olds. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to parents as far as feeding their children? Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's it starts when they're young, right? Like, you, And you need to lead by example. We just revamped our kids' nutrition course. And the, the truth is, like, 
parents come to us and we work with a lot of kids at Healthy Steps Nutrition. I have doctors and we have different sports partnerships. And sometimes parents will come to us thinking that they could sit down and pay to talk to a dietitian and this magic thing will happen. And in reality, like if you as a parent are still going through the drive-through and still getting junk at home, your kids are going to eat it, right? Like they're kids, they want junk. But if you have healthy foods in the house and you make it a part of the culture, um, you know, that will trickle down to them. But if you're eating, if you go to McDonald's and get a burger and fries and tell your kids they can't have that, that's not really fair, right? So you need to start young and lead by example, for sure. Be consistent, right? So we know it takes 12 to 15 times of trying new foods to know if we like it or not. And sometimes like our kids love roasted broccoli. Like they'll eat it every day. Um, and we made buff- roasted buffalo cauliflower last night. They were in the bowl, like picking it out with their hands the whole time. I'm like, okay, can I get a piece here? <laughs> anything buffalo is, is yeah. going to be good. Throw that yeah. stuff on anything in the lake. <laughs> so w- with that being said, where's the balance for them as far as what is not allowed at home, but they go to their buddy's house down the road? You know, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have junk, but my neighbor... They had those apple pies, you know, those like Drake apple pies. And I would, <laughs> yes. It would be like I'd make a beeline as soon as I walked into his house. So, so what do you tell them? Yeah, our kids aren't at a point where they're like going to neighbor's houses yet. Like we have kids over to our house all the time. And um, I'm, I'll keep that going as long as possible. Um, but they know, like they know what's healthy. They know like, like Brody, for instance, he plays basketball and he after every basketball game, the parents, one parents would bring in snacks after and every single week. It was chips and a box of juice. And you had to bring boxes of juice. That was like what was required for parents. Like they do not need juice after running around for 30 minutes, but okay. Yeah. It's like um, your CrossFitters that need their post-workout after a four minute workout. Yeah, give me a break. So <laughs> I, he would bring the stuff to us and then we would go get, and sometimes, you know, if it was pretzel or just something, okay, whatever, fine. But you don't need to have juice and you can drink the water that's in your water bottle and we would just throw it out. Uh, I mean, they know what's healthy and what's not, and they make pretty good decisions. Do they never have any treats? No. If we went to a birthday party, would they have a cupcake? Absolutely. Did I get a blueberry muffin for them this morning and then let them have half of it because it's their last day of school? Yeah. But they have vegetables with every lunch and dinner. And they have a lean source of protein and they, they get a balanced meal, um, you know, every day. So there's a balance, right? They're not tracking their macros, but they're eating good quality foods. And if they want more, they can have more, you know, but but I think so many parents think, you know, oh, I don't need to worry about that. Um, You know, my kid's going to grow into it. Right. Or I'll let them, you know, we'll start the battle of healthy eating later. And the later you start it, the harder it is. So like introduce those foods early on I mean, our, from as long as I can remember, like the kids were eating vegetables and, and healthy food and that's all they knew. I remember us, maybe this, they were probably four or five at this point where we were going trick or treating and the, they had the bowl outside, right. And the, the lady holding the bowl for trick or treating was like, which one's your favorite? And they looked at me, they're like, which one's my favorite? Like they didn't even know. <laughs> I was like, that's proud parent right now. Do you have apples? Um... <laughs> So, so I have a weird question for you. We were yeah. in New York City celebrating my cousin's graduation from physical therapy school. And his sister, my other cousin, is dating. He's probably 30 and he doesn't eat anything. Like, not, he eats, but he's like the he's like your kid that would have like pasta with 
cheese and chicken nuggets. Yeah. How do you get an adult <laughs> to vary their nutrition? Yeah. So as I had mentioned before, you got to try things different ways, like preparing things, roasted things taste better in my opinion than non-roasted things. So trying that, um, there's a book called Deceptively Delicious. It's by Jessica Steinfeld. We have a couple copies of it in our office and I'll let parents look through it when they have super picky eaters and the kid won't do anything. It's a way to like sneak in vegetables, like puree stuff into things, uh, which is an option to at least start getting some vegetables in, but trying different ways. Like we eat cauliflower gnocchi from Trader Joe's all the time. Oh, that stuff is the best. Oh my goodness. I could eat it every day. Um, don't have a huge variation in my diet. <laughs> have you had, I know your kids probably don't eat this, but those Bomba treats. No, are, what are those? They're basically peanut butter Cheetos. They you know are, what? Does that have the elephant on it? Yes. Yes, we have had those. The kids don't like them. Uh, you have strange kids, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those aren't that bad for you. I mean, those are fine. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We joke. It's like, oh, it's a Trader Joe's. It's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but those, yeah, those treats are delicious. But, you know, things like that, right? Trying new ways, a variation. So like cauliflower, just steamed cauliflower. I'm not a huge fan, but mashed cauliflower, cauliflower gnocchi. I mean, trying different types of foods with vegetables in it. And now there's so many different options out there for people to get healthy foods that doesn't have to necessarily be just carrots, right? Yeah, they're going to make cauliflower chocolate. That's what's next. <laughs> and then it'll be great. So my, here's my other two, one of my other two topics, autism. I'm a, you know, I, I did my master's in psychology on, on autism. What role does nutrition play? And, and what are some changes you think parents should be making if their child is on the spectrum, be it autism, Asperger's, or, or really any, you know, special needs? I mean, sugar is the number one thing I would cut out right? Because there's a lot of correlations with the amount of sugar that's in diets and kids' actions and behavior. Um, And of course, texture is going to be a super tough thing with autistic kids, depending on how much on the spectrum they are. Um, So finding out like, okay, what textures do they like? And how can you make foods be more of that texture, right? Like different different options, but sugar is probably the biggest thing. And even like sugary drinks too, like a lot of parents don't realize how much sugar is in apple juice and chocolate milk, right? I mean, I just did a couple weeks ago, we do a big thing with Twister, a big gymnastics facility locally. And one of the activities we did this time, I go in and do seminars for them. And one of the activities we did was a sugar shocker. So I had like five different drinks that they all drink, right? Or maybe not as much anymore because I've heard me preach to them for the past three years, but you know, five different drinks and just show them all right, what's in the lemonade, what's in the apple juice, what's in the chocolate milk that you're having. And I mean, 15 teaspoons of sugar in one sitting is way too much for any child, let alone someone on the spectrum. Yeah. I, I dated a girl and she had a, she was probably about eight at the time. And we, have you gone to Epcot? Yeah. You know, they have that soda area. So it's like the world of soda, basically. It's like, right. I think it's like Coca-Cola sponsored and we're with (laughs) our grandparents and he, you know, I don't think he was on the spectrum, but he had some things, you know, going on. 
he goes in there, they're just like, have as much soda as you want. And he had some twitches going on and other things. And the grandparents like, well, you should have known. I'm like, he's eight. You just put him in. Yeah, I was like, you just put him in front of soda. I was like, I'm 40. I wouldn't be able to control myself. Yeah. It was amazing to show her, his mom, like, look, this is what you need to change. She was going, you know, through a divorce. So she had the opportunity to make those changes. And and she did. And it's been drastic, just eliminating sugar. Yeah. I thought of another topic. We have two more. (laughs) Um, Veganism. What's your what's your stance? I, a lot of people, and I started reading it. It's pretty heavy. The China study. Um, so, what's your opinion on this? Everybody's going plant based these days. The China study. It's funny you bring that one up. Um, so, why is my, that? My husband's father. Um, so, my father-in-law was on forks over knives, and so oh, was my husband actually. So on that, the, that on the documentary. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah one of the people they sent to China to like learn all about the China study and like basically do all like follow a vegan diet. Uh, and they tracked him. Like he was one of the, the people on the show, uh, that had diabetes and heart disease and, you know, all of this stuff going on. This was before I, I was, um, knew him. So this is random. So random oh, wow. <laughs> that you bring this up. And I, I don't, really but I mean, random that you started dating his son. Oh yeah. I had no idea that, um, he was in the movie. I like was randomly watching it one night after we started dating and I was like sending him a picture. Like, is that you? Like you're on, (laughs) on this Netflix documentary. You'd think that would have come up. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Um, and the same, we didn't tell anyone, my sister, the same thing happened. She was watching it. She's like, is that Jason? (laughs) Um, but the truth is, it's it's really tough for people to sustain that lifestyle, especially if you don't have support at home. So, um, or not, not, not support. I can't say that, but not everyone's doing it at home. Right. So like if you're the only one eating that way and it's, it, it was tough for him. So he, you know, got off all of his medication, did amazing in the movie, stuck with it for a couple of years and then did not stick with it. And he ended up having a triple bypass a few years ago. Um, it's, it's really tough to stick to our people. Do people do it? And when I, when people ask me like, Hey, what's, what's going on with vegan diet? Should I do it? And I always start with like, why, what's prompting you to want to do that is because your friend is doing it or your neighbor or your coworker, or you read something where you can lose a lot of weight really quickly. And when you hear the answers getting beyond behind the why you can really dive into that issue over the surface thing is I want to try this fad diet. Right. And then you can really understand why and that, that will end up helping them if you can get to that. Why. I think you'd probably have a very similar answer if I asked you about keto. Same thing. Yep. And I think there's, go ahead. No, I think it's agreed. It's almost like typically, well, I want to lose weight. Cool. You don't need to do this fad extreme thing to lose weight. You can eat sensibly and do this forever. Exactly. And, you know, the habit-based model, like precision nutrition, you know, focusing on habits is really the core of, of healthy sub nutrition and what we teach the nutrition coaches running our program, um, that you don't need to go to some extreme to get people to see a result. Although that's what they're trained to, to want, right? Like your clients are reading, I take a picture of them sometimes and post them. Like it's people 
see magazine covers that say I'm going to lose 10 pounds in 10 days or lose 30 pounds by, you know, the end by Memorial day, right? It's, it's crazy, unrealistic goals that they come to you with. And you just have to help them understand like, okay, you might be able to lose a lot of weight if you don't, if you starve yourself, but you're not going to be able to do that forever. And you want something that's more sustainable for long-term success. So you always really need to get to the root cause, right? What is one thing you used to believe about nutrition that you no longer believe? Gosh, this is a tough one. Um, I think the nutrition world is ever so changing, right? Like there's so much research that, that comes out and science-based mean simple things like what I learned in school, 50 to 60% of the calories need to come from carbs. You need 10 to 15% coming from protein, the rest from fat. Like that's not the macronutrient prescription that we start with, with our clients. I think that's way too many carbs. Um, and helping people understand that they can get a balance without having so much carbohydrate and processed foods, I think is something that was an easy switch and some, you know, an easy transition when we started figuring out, all right, what are we going to really prescribe to people? Um, yeah, I think nutrition coaching is so much psychological, right? And I didn't focus as much on that. When I first started, I thought that I needed to like, I think with any coach, right? Like no matter what coaches are listening to this podcast, when, even when you go through your level one, right? Like you get all of this knowledge in your level one and you feel like you need to like squirt out all this knowledge when really people only need one cue, right? Like they just need one thing to nail and then like let them leave happy with that. And with nutrition coaching, it's the same thing, right? People just need one action step that they can definitely achieve to give them the motivation to continue. And I think the strategy of nutrition coaching has evolved with all these steps nutrition as we've, as we've, as we've worked with more people and learned, like, we don't need to share everything. We don't need to show them all of our tools in our toolbox. Let's just show them one thing that they could definitely nail and then get them motivated to continue. What is one weird nutrition habit that you have? Um, weird nutrition habit. Gosh, I'm a pretty habitual eater. Like I will eat the same thing every day if it's in the fridge. Like the cauliflower gnocchi, it's like lunch probably three to four days a week. Um, I I don't know if that's not something that's weird. I'm just a habitual eater. My husband is the one that cooks most of the food in our house. He's a really good chef. And I think it's coming from the fire department. I was going to say all firefighters he, are good cooks. He has so many tricks up his sleeve. And they've definitely been, his like standard recipes have definitely evolved over the years. As so I'm like, all right, how can we make this a little healthier? Like we don't need that much mayo in this recipe or you don't need 80% ground beef. We could probably push it to 93 and be totally fine. <laughs> and he'll start making those changes now on his own. But um, yeah, he does a lot of the cooking. Definitely. So you have a coaching staff at your box. Mm-hmm. How much influence are you on them with their nutrition? Is it like, hey, if you're going to coach here, you're dialed in? Or do they get the same leeway that a typical coach would have? So everyone needs to be bought into our vision. I think it's really important for a gym to um, have staff be bought into whatever programming they're doing. Or if you have like our box is built on healthy steps, nutrition, our box is built on nutrition. So if people aren't doing um, our nutrition program, 
they like the message coming out to members like needs to be about our nutrition. They talk about nutrition on a regular basis. So when they're talking about nutrition to members, if they're talking about healthy habits and, and we give them like scripts to say, right. So it's a consistent message between all classes. Uh, we'll do questions of the day and they'll have like points of what, what we want to be talked about regarding that question of the day. Uh, if there was someone that's completely doing something, you know, separate, different, and they're advertising it, I don't think uh, they would be the best fit for our facility because I really need our staff to be bought into to the vision of, of helping people change their lives through nutrition first. Yeah, I think that goes for any business, right? If your staff isn't bought in, it's not going to work. They're not going to fit in very well. Are, are you still coaching a lot of classes? No, um, I'll fill in maybe like once a month. Um, I co- I go to a lot of classes, so I try to make it into classes so that I can um, see our members and, and, you know, take part of the group fitness. I love it, um, but I don't, I don't coach very much anymore. That was something that Chris has really pushed me towards over the past, you know, when you look at the impact you can have doing mentoring, you know, the bigger vision of the business versus coaching a class. I'd rather give that opportunity to someone who um, you know, like that's their sole income is, is our, our coaching and personal training. So we, well, with that being said, coaching is somewhat of a diminishing field, right? If you don't practice your skills, do you feel when you step in for that one class a month that it's like, Whoa, what's happening? I definitely prepare a lot more than I used to prepare. So like I'll do the workout before. So I know how it feels, we use box programming. They give you a really good um, breakdown of, you know, the notes, the stimulus, the, like what the recommended range is. And there's a ton of coaches notes in there. So I study up on it way more than I would have before. Um, Cause I do think you're right. Like, especially when I realized there was a little bit of a gap there, it was a wake up call. Like, Hey, you have a class of 22 people. You need to get <laughs> this thing organized and, and get it going. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it takes a little bit more to prepare for sure. Well, you said you got your level one back in 2014, so it's five years later. Will you be revalidating or going to your level two? I got my level two. So um, you went and took your level two? Mm-hmm. Who, I did. Who was there coaching? Austin was the main person. Austin Maliolo? Um, the guy from up north. Yeah, yeah, Austin. yeah. Yes, Austin um, Maliolo. He was the main person. And Todd... Was there, he also did my level one. Todd Acuto, my good buddy. And then there was a guy, and I cannot remember his name, but he owns a CrossFit in Jacksonville. Shorter. Chris Russell. Yep. Yep. Super nice. Yes. Super nice. Um, So those were three of the people. CrossFit South Shore. Did did people recognize you from either the CrossFit podcast or the, you know, their box? The CrossFit podcast I did after. Okay. Um, So that, uh, but we did have a couple gyms that were running our nutrition program there, which was really cool, like gym owners. Um, And people have reached out to us since then and said, hey, I did my level two with you. I want you to help me with nutrition. So definitely now I think if I did it now, it might be a little different than, than back then. I think I did it in like 2015 or 16. Oh, so you went back into it pretty quickly. Yeah. You didn't wait the five years. Do you, oh, think no. do you think you'll take your level three Monday? I'm on the certification board, so I don't think I'm allowed to right now. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, 
Yeah, Maybe wrote, one day. <laughs> you, wrote, you wrote a couple of the questions you might know the answers to, you mean? Uh, I've, yeah, I don't think I'm supposed to take it right now. Gotcha. <laughs> Although Nicole Carroll did joke around with me back in January saying that I would have to take it. Um, during the last board meeting and I looked at Chris Cooper and I said, maybe we could take it together because Chris doesn't coach anymore either. If you like a team. It's, you know, we get, that's probably one of the most, the questions I get asked the most often is, you know, how hard is it? It's hard. Yeah. I, 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 showed, I showed up, I was like, I, I won't be here the whole four and a half hours to the proctor. I was there, <laughs> I was there every minute of that four and a half hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, and you're like, you live, eat and breathe this, this stuff. So it, it should be ideally easier for you than most. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely exposed to it a lot. I, you know, we, we got the opportunity to take it early and you, you have to take it at a, at a center. And I thought, okay, well, I have a month. I'll, I'll schedule it for the end of the month. And then the only day I could take it was the very next day. So there was no option. It was like, hey, and I needed to take it. We got an email from Nicole and Dave. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is probably better. I remember it was a summer in New York. I went out to like the lake and I was like, why am I going to cram? I either know it or I don't. And, and luckily, he passed. Luckily, I knew it. Yeah. You okay. walk out and she's like, Congra- I didn't realize you'd get your score that right then. So it was pretty cool. Good. Are you going to take your L4? Well, I was grandfathered in. I have my level four because back. Oh, the back. Yeah. So the level two. Yeah, so I have my level four for that. But now it's out. I think I think it's open again, so that's pretty cool. People will start taking it. Mm-hmm. All right, one more question I ask all the guests. What's one book you recommend? For gym owners, I think um, Chris Cooper's books are obviously great. Uh, I, a book that's really impacted us as a business this year is Building Your Story Brand, so that Donald, Donald Miller book. Um, I think most gym owners aren't good at marketing because we don't have marketing degrees. <laughs> yeah, we don't, you know, any business degree. We just enjoy helping others. Yep. Um, and that book really gave us clarification. And I went to the live workshop for Story Brand. And I think that book has probably impacted me the most this year. Founder Farmer Tinker Thief just came out. I have a plane ride tomorrow. I plan on reading it, at least a good portion of it, although this is much thicker book than Chris's previous books. <laughs> So it might take a little longer. <laughs> yeah, he sent it to me early before I interviewed him. And I got about a third of the way done in a few days, but it's a it's a it's a big book. Yeah. It's it's great though. It's great. It's uh, what I love about it is it expands beyond just the affiliate. And I think that's so important, right? Like no matter what kind of entrepreneur you are, um we all struggle with the same things, being able to figure out what's the most important task and how to prioritize and not get distracted and and then being able to delegate things, right? Like you are not the only person that can do every single thing and you should be able to know how to do most things, but I'm sure there's someone that can do most things better than, than you hire specialists. So I think, yeah. Sound advice. Well, I really appreciate you being on. It's been great to get to know you and great to chat with you. I always think it's a fun interview if I feel like, okay, now we're friends. So that's great. I got to know about your kids, your husband, your, your father-in-law. So it's, it's yeah. been great. Um, anything we missed, anything you want to touch on before we uh, end the chat? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me today. This was thank, fun. Thank you. And I'll keep in mind next time we're talking, I'm actually talking to your assistant. 
<laughs> she passes things on to me. So usually it ends up coming to me eventually. <laughs> yeah, I specifically asked at one point, is this Nicole? And she Oh, said, on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that was actually you? That that was me. I did respond to that. Yes. Right. Yeah. I was oh, like, we oh. have, yeah, we do have someone that manages most of the social media. Do you guys do all of your social media? Roz basically runs the show these days. So wow. she does she does a lot. You know, we use some scheduling and all of that, but it's never ending. It's a full-time job, just that, right? Being able to stay yeah. engaged. I, I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, social media is a whole nother beast. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week. And we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out besthouroftheirday.com if you haven't already. And you can find us on social media at Best Hour of Their Day or email us Best Hour of Their Day at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.